0: Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell, that is Kurt Souter, and we are a show for men by men, talking about things from a man's perspective. And we are really glad that you're listening, whether it's on purpose or accidentally, I've had people come up and say, Hey, I heard you on the show and I And I could tell they weren't trying to listen to it. They just found us. And that's okay. We don't care. We are not too proud around here. Uh, We love the people listening. And men, women, whoever wants to listen. But our main audience are guys. And we feel like there was a big void out there for men. We can talk about politics, weather, sports. But when we start talking about things of the heart, the soul, things that really start to get into the inside of a man, that's where we want to kind of fill a gap. And we talk about all types of different things on our show, and we are uh, thankful. But today, we're, we're sharing this. Uh, one of the things that really God put when he was putting us together as a show four years ago was um, tell the story that God is writing in men's lives. Just Let's just hear the stories about what God is doing in men's lives. And today, we've got a story that is was, was so good that it was on the show for like about half a segment, <laughs> On episode 184, if you want to go back to our podcast, it was a great show, 184, but we knew we had to grab the guy and say, hey, we want to come back and hear your full story. So today- we We got to hear it all. We drug Brian Gould (laughs) back into the studio, and we're going to hear a story about how a man who didn't have anything, then he thought he had everything, and lost nearly everything, but realized he had everything ahead of him. Mm -hmm. Just listen to the show. You'll, <laughs> you'll find out. So we're, we're happy to have Brian on.
1: You know, uh, Chad, it's ex- exactly right that, you know, God is writing these stories in our hearts and our lives. I, you know, I'm reminded of what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. He said, church people. A God who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion Mm. on the day of Christ Jesus. And he's sitting in prison as he's writing that story, because God was writing the story through the Apostle Paul and in his life, and you know, we see that in Scripture. But Brian, man, he started writing, you know, when you were born, Mm. uh, you you were born what year? 1964. So, I just gave everything away, 64. (laughs) There you are, (laughs) man, I'm a year older than (laughs) you. Thanks, Kurt. Oh, uh, so, so Brian, um, you were born, but a month after you were born, something happened. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was born in '64 down in
2: Atlanta, actually East Point, which is just south of Atlanta. If you fly into Hartfield, uh, you're in East Point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was uh, born to uh, my father, Jerry Hudson, and, um, uh, my mother, Margie. Um, she was 17 at the time, mm. and um, about a month later, yeah, my dad, Jerry Hudson, uh, left, and he moved out to Boise, Idaho, and uh, from that time on, I've only met Jerry twice in my life, later in life in my 20s and and later in, in my 30s, so.
1: What did you call, when you met him, what did you call
2: him? Um, I don't remember. I, You know, I was, I was taken aback by it. Um, I actually went to Boise, Idaho on a sales trip with the company I was working for. And um, he had uh, just prior to that, he had sent me a package in the mail, a letter just kind of telling me about his life. He wanted to meet me. He sent me pictures. He actually recorded some audio cassettes and just shared about his life, said if I'm ever in Boise, he'd love to meet me. And the opportunity came and in about my mid-20s, uh, we, we flew out to Boise to see one of our accounts, and I set it up to go see him. I just remember going in, sitting down, and just starting the conversation.
1: That had to be pretty wild. It was a wild moment. <laughs> you meet yeah. your basically your biological dad for the first time, I mean, outside of a month old. You're in your 20s. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. So a lot of questions for me. Oh, um, my goodness. Yeah, it didn't get real emotional. But, uh, you know, I believe that everybody longs to know more about their biological father if they've not had a relationship with him. And um, I think deep inside of me, I wanted to answer some harder questions. But at that point in time, I just wanted to get to know him. Did he, did he get emotional? He did at the end. Did uh, he? He bawled like a baby. And, um, you know, that stuck with me. Uh, later in life. And at that point in time, it uh, didn't really mean a lot to me emotionally. I wasn't at that point in my life to really connect with him and go deep. But, um, so I uh, had that opportunity to go out there and meet him, and then uh, back in 89, moved out to Seattle, Washington for a stint um, from Mobile. Um, the, the reason I went out there didn't work out well from a, from a work standpoint, so moved back to Mobile, and on the way back, I stopped and saw him again.
1: And those are the only two times you've seen him? That's the only two
2: times I've seen him face-to-face.
1: Wow. So, Brian, talk to us about uh, after he leaves, you're a month old. Your mom is now, you know, she's a kid. She's a kid. Yeah, she got pregnant at 16, had me at 17. Um, Talk to our listeners about what what was happening next, because your mom was married um, again and then again. Talk, talk to us about that.
2: Sure. So uh, the family moved from Georgia to Mississippi to, um, to Starkville where Mississippi State is. Uh, my grandfather taught there at Mississippi State. My mom moved with them. Um, and during that period that she lived there, she met John Gould um, at Mississippi State. And they dated and later got married when I was about three or four years old. And um, during that, um, well, shortly after that, uh, John adopted me as his son and had my last name changed from Hudson to Gould. And I became his son through marriage to my mom through adoption. And they were married for about five years. And, uh, yeah, my mom went through another divorce. Um, so, you know, when I was about seven or eight, that marriage ended as well.
1: Now, you uh, you still stay connected to your adopted dad i do
2: i do yeah yeah i have a very close relationship with him good
1: relationship so uh he leaves you're still with your mom you're still with your mom is that right i am yeah I'm my mom's only child even to today hmm. <laughs> and so uh, you're uh, uh, now you're just with your mom how often do you s- did you see your adopted dad
2: well, after uh, she left John, there was a period of time it was just, you know, her and I living together, and uh, she met another man and began dating him, and uh, this is when we were in Gulfport, Mississippi, and uh, this guy I really started to like. He was doing a lot of things that uh, I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, the, the, from there, it, it got really tough. Um, we moved out of Gulfport, and we began to systematically move time and time again over the next four years, and uh, we lived in some very tough situations. Um, as I had mentioned to you before, we lived... I remember living in the back of a of a station wagon, if anybody knows what those are. I remember <laughs> what those are. But literally, everything we owned was in that car, and we lived out of the back of it. And uh, living in a... Um, Living in a uh, boarding home down in Jacksonville, Mississippi. Uh, to I remember living in the, in a tent behind a hotel down in Purlington, Mississippi. And um, that's the way our life was. We moved uh, so many times it became a real blur. Um, I remember going to over 40 schools uh, during that period of time. I, did you say 40? Four zero yeah. schools.
0: 40 schools in four years. In four years, yeah. I mean you said you would in, or before the show you would check you would register to a school on a Friday and then Monday you'd leave. Yeah, I do remember that happening. I remember going to a school, moving away and coming
2: back more than once to that to that same school. that even happened in high school. We moved from Starkville to Oxford, from Oxford to Starkville and from Stock, Starkville back to Oxford. And oh my you know goodness. kids were looking at me just like, "What what's going on with you, dude?" And, um, and of course,
1: I I mean, you're just you're just following you know your your mom and your stepdad at right. this point the third dad in your life um you mentioned uh before we started the show um it, what was the catalyst for all these moves what was going on
2: well the uh, the gentleman she was married to his, his name was bob and um he was an alcoholic and it was very clear to me i mean we we didn't have a lot, um, and as you can imagine, moving like that. What I began to understand is we were moving from uh, the bad things that were happening uh, in this family unit with Bob. And um, you know, we, um, you know, with me sitting there, you know, the, the being the only child of my mother. Yes, I was just following her, but I began to understand too that um, she was caught up in a relationship she couldn't get out of. Mm. And um, I had no one to turn to. We were estranged from our family. Years later, um, my dad John Gould shared with me that they had hired a private investigator to try to find us and they couldn't find us. The family was looking for us. So we were moving so much to stay ahead of either bad situations he had created or to stay away from family and stay very
1: isolated. And it was a bad situation. That's, that's incredible. What's Emotionally, what's going on in your heart when you're 15, 16 years old? So those are very defining years. And, um, you know, you're trying to answer a lot of
2: questions about yourself. So your self-identity seems to be wounded. Um, you can't fit in. Um, you don't have time to fit in and build friends, build relationships, and yeah, see y- some level of normalcy.
1: I mean, you're popping in and out of these schools just – Oh, my goodness, like crazy. Yeah, you can't have friendships. Yeah.
2: You know, the one thing I can remember looking back is, you know, the process of putting up, you know, putting up a wall, you know, burying a lot of things because they hurt. Oh, yeah. Not, you know, not having someone to turn to. And, um, you know, I can look back now and see my heart over that time became very, very hard. And my goal was to get out. And live beyond that. And I was always looking for a way to get out.
0: Wow. So we're going to take a break and come back. And uh, Brian just mentioned about putting up a wall. Well, his walls start crumbling, crumbling down here because he wanted to get out and he thought that may be through marriage. So we're going to talk about uh, the next segment about how he thought he was getting out uh, through being married. And, and uh, we're going to talk about what Guy was doing in that time and after. So we're going to take a break. Be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell and Kurt Sauter. We're here with Brian Gould. And if you just picked up on uh, listening to the show today, uh, Brian was talking about in, his, in the first segment about how uh, the tough relationships he had and how he was in 40 schools over four years. He was moving along. And uh, if you are... I uh, feel like you've been to forty different banks in your life, and you need to find a good one. Go to LNN Credit Union. They are a great local. You will stop <laughs> I'm <sorry>. and land <laughs> Isn't that there. horrible. Isn't that horrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, LNN Credit Union. They are a local lender who's been here for forty plus years. I should have used that forty, but anyway, uh, they've been around for a long time. They are a great establishment. They take care of your loans, whether it's personal, business, whether it's personal checking, business checking, car, home. They can do it all. LNN Credit Union. And also vision first eye care. If you are having problems problems seeing whether it's glasses contacts, whatever you need for your eyes, Rod Rollo and his crew do a fantastic job. Uh, they care about you more than just your sight you're a person to them, not a set of eyeballs so uh, vision first and EllenN they've been great sponsors of our show. So Brian, you're 18 years old. you've been moving all these I
1: mean dozens of times right. You're now on your third, uh, you had your biological dad, and you had an s- adopted dad, then you have a s- uh, stepdad, and uh, and now you're out of high school, now what? Well, you
2: know, for me, I, I think back, and for me at that time in my life, I was ready to get out of that situation <laughs> and move on in my life. I cannot and, imagine. Uh, not look back. Yeah. And I remember, uh, you know, it's kind of strange that my mother and her third husband went to a marriage counselor, and that was just odd in itself that they would do that. But he called me in one day when I was 15 years old, and uh, he, he met with me alone. And he looked me dead in the eye, and he said, you need to get out of this situation. And I looked at him, I said, you didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. He said, do you have a family member you could go live with? And I said, yes. Long story short, I ended up living with my adopted um, dad's parents down in Guffport, Mississippi. And I finished high school um, from my middle of my um, junior year to the graduation in Guffport. And then I moved to Mobile, Alabama. Uh, and I was 18, went off to college at Mississippi State, uh, spent a semester up there, and then transferred back down to Mobile and went to South Alabama. I had started working in the summer for a upstart technology company that was growing very, very fast. And uh, they offered if I would come back down, they would pay for my college. So I didn't I didn't have the wherewithal to pay for college. And um, I said, sign me up and went back down there. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, at the age of 18 working now, it's, you know, okay, let's set the table and, you know, have some success and don't look back.
1: Were you, um, uh, many times when people go through the woundedness mm-hmm. of, you know, all the transitions and all the kind of the turmoil that you went through, You, um, some people really become driven Mm. to become successful. Did you have
2: some of that? Oh, yes, yes. You know, the goals were to get a job, be successful, get married, and have a family. And, um, you know, in my mind at that time was to do it completely different than I had done in the past. And uh, I do remember, you know, working at that company. When I was 18, I met a lady there. Well, lady, she was... She was actually the same age I was, about a year and a half younger, um, that I started going out with and then ultimately would marry.
1: And you married her, you were? Uh, 21. 21. And uh, so now talk about uh, married life. You, I mean, you, 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 you saw brokenness mm-hmm. and then more brokenness and then more brokenness. And so you haven't had any really model to follow. Right. Um, and so, what happens in your marriage?
2: Well, she had uh, she had what appeared to me have a very strong family, so I was drawn to that, uh, even beyond her and the relationship and getting married. Um, there were four siblings, and mom and dad was close. You know, we had a lot of. A lot of weekend family dinners together we did a lot of things together and just you know did life and spent time together and for me that felt a little redemptive you know, not having a stable family environment
1: i had to be really special
2: sure yeah i was very close to him and um you know so we were married young and want to have a family we struggled with that and, and, and for the first five years of our marriage we couldn't we couldn't have children we didn't understand why and as We began to peel that onion back. We found out that we were dealing with some infertility issues. And uh, that put us on the treadmill of dealing with, you know, infertility for the next seven years of our relationship. And that was tough, really tough. But uh, five years into that, um, she did give birth to our son, our one and only son together as a couple, Hunter. And uh, that was in 1995, so he's 24 years old today. Mm-hmm. And, it was, and it was, looking back, a miracle. The one thing I remember, we were going to one of the, um, he was actually a nationally acclaimed infertility specialist down in Mobile, Dr. Koulianos. And I always remember, uh, he was a Greek guy. Uh, his background was Greek Orthodox. And after all the things that he would do, he'd, he'd just say, I'd invite you to say a prayer. Really? And that, had, that really didn't resonate with me, but I do remember that. Wow. So in 95, uh, Hunter, Clayton Hunter Gould was born. And I remember, you know, a couple of years after that, they wrote an article on us in the paper in Mobile about all the struggles that we had gone through in dealing with infertility as a couple. Here's the thing. Dealing with that, for those that have ever been through that, it is one of the biggest emotional roller coasters in a relationship that you can go through. And, you know, I felt some of her hurt, but I don't think I experienced the woundedness that she experienced going through that. And um, uh, it it was tough. It was really tough.
1: Talk to us, Brian, then, you know, how you handled that, how your wife handled that, and what happened. If
2: if I were honest, I would say it probably um, took us further apart. You know, I think the one thing that... I would say was tough in our relationship is we didn't communicate deeply and um for her a lot of the things that she was dealing with she really didn't have anybody she could run to if you've gone through that on the side of the woman you know it's it's a monthly up and down situation as you go through that waiting for the results and then when others around you are successful and have children they say all the wrong things at the wrong time Mm. that hurt oh yeah And I watched that happen to her. And uh, it didn't lead her back for us to strengthen our relationship. It just seems, it seems looking back, that it just continued to drive a wedge in it.
1: And so now Hunter, you've you've got Hunter. You're trying to continue to have more children. Yes. But no success. No success. God shuts that door or or didn't uh, open another door. And what's what what happens next so for me I was moving on
2: um, I can remember that that she had not come to that point yet and still desired to have children um, we began to build our dream home um, we sold our home moved in with her grandmother and um, this would have been in 98 hunters about three years old and um, work was going well very successful that was probably the best year I ever had in my life and um, you know, I thought things were great. We would even get feedback from other people that we, we hung out with. You guys great great couple, you know, you got a long life ahead of you. I can see you out on the front porch in rocking chairs, you know, just uh enjoying life. And um you know, but 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 underneath all that. There's was a big a butt there's a yeah, big butt. There's a yeah, there's a big, big, you know, big issue going on there that I had to deal with and I had to be dealt with. Um I was not, you know, I was not emotionally able to connect with her through all that process, and and you know, it wasn't until later, and a lot of things that happened, that I, I really began to understand the hurt and pain that she'd gone through.
1: Well, in one sense, you you grew up um, emotionally putting up walls. I mean, you sure, had you, had you had you know these three different father figures, you know, in and out of your life. You've got you know, your mom had been married, divorced, married, divorced, married. Um, there's a lot, all these moves, you, you, hard to develop relationships. Sure. And so emotionally you're not connecting with your wife. She needs this emotional connection. Yes. Um, she wants to have babies and more, you know, and that's not happening. I mean, God gave you one and, and then what, how, how does she respond ultimately?
2: Ultimately, um, Uh, she came to the point when we had uh in 98 began to build our dream home and hunter was three years old um i'll never forget the night she um she let me know that her feelings towards me had changed and i knew when she said that never hearing that before from her um that that was not good and um let me let me just say this you know the When I look back at my own life and how I handled things, uh, it looked good on the outside. I was hurting on the inside. Um, I didn't want to deal with it. You know, and running hard and fast to, you know, live past all that, I ran hard and fast, too. Um, I wasn't a model citizen. (laughs) You know, I I did a lot of bad things. Um, I hurt a lot of people. I mean, you know, um, and, and things that I'm not proud of. Um, But but for me in the relationship at that time, I had moved into it to be married forever and have a family and and live past all those things that I had grown up in. And when she said that, I realized that I just lost control of the situation. The first thing I did, Hunter was sleeping in the other room, we were living with her grandmother. I ran in the room after she said that and I hit the floor and I began to weep. The first time I ever cried in my adult life. And um, you know, it wasn't until years later that I looked back that the reason I was weeping was because that three-year-old in the bed was me, mm-hmm. and he was about to lose his dad. Mm-hmm. And somehow, some way, I sensed that in my heart. You, there was you, nothing I could do about
1: you, it. You knew that things were really, really unraveling, yeah. and not just in your life, but in your wife's life, and in this little boy's life, and. Um, and this was you're in one sense reliving all of this all over again yes and
0: wow Mm. and we're going to take a break (laughs) we're going to we're going to continue to unpack this story so we'll come back in the next segment and so Brian's wife says that she wants out and he's on the floor weeping and now where can you possibly go from here what could be left well uh, there there was uh, another direction to go from down and it's up uh, so we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly here what God did shortly thereafter that in Brian's life and the trajectory. It changed his life and how things worked out with his, his son then and, and his, his life after that. So we're going to take a break and take uh, a moment to uh, have our commercial for all of our great sponsors like LN and Vision First here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell and Kurt Satter here with Brian Gould, and uh, we are talking about... Uh, man, we're talking about a great story that uh, it ain't great up to this point, but it gets better. <laughs> so, if you need to hear this, it's been brutal yeah, up to this point. The first two segments aren't exactly a great story, but uh, it gets better. So, we're going to hear more about that. But we want to thank our sponsors, Frank Enterprises. If you need your septic tank to get better, uh, you need to call Frank Enterprises because those guys, uh, if, if your septic tank isn't working or water outside of your house, if it's raining and water's pooling in a place that it's not supposed to pool, Frank Enterprises is the place that can help. You with that, and also Bright Star Home Care. Bright Star helps people go through a very tough uh, season in their life if they need uh, any type of help with a loved one, whether it's one day a week or whether it's 24 7 care with someone who is in your life who is an elder and they need more care. uh, Bright Star Home Care can help you do with that. So, we want to thank Frank Enterprises and Bright Star Home Care.
1: So, okay, so Brian, you're uh, uh, there's just been some tough tough years. Yes. Of, of okay, not just now, you, you've grown up with, you know, three different dads and, you know, all this tough stuff, but now you're married, can't have kids. God finally gives you a kid, but your wife finally comes to you and says, uh, this is not working. Yeah. Yeah. You went, you went and got some counseling. We did. But what happens? So, uh, I'm not,
2: you know, be honest with you I don't know how that happened but we ended up going to a marriage counselor and uh, he met with us individually over about a three week period and this would have been around about the November time frame in 98 and meeting with us individually I remember him telling me tough situation Brian you guys got married early you've been through a lot you need to be strong hang in there with me and all I can remember saying to him is I just want to save my marriage and over time um, you know the message didn't change um, that's all I remember him giving me and then about three weeks in this would have been the first week in November of 98 he brought us together for the first time and uh, what I, I, re- I mean up to this point you have been meeting- individually counseling us alone yes. but not not together right. okay um, he had actually moved me out of the home and said uh, I need to put you in a working separation need you to move out. Well, we were already living with her grandmother and started building our home, our dream home, and uh, so I had to move out of the home, and that just killed me. And I told him I did not want to do that. And he said, you need to, you need to work with me on this. You need to be strong. That's all I remember him telling me. Mm. So then November 4th, we come together, and um, he said something, and she responded and said, Brian just can't accept that I don't love him anymore. And that's the first time she ever said that. And I looked at him and I looked at her and I said, I feel like I'm on the ground with my hands tied behind my back and I feel like both of y'all are just beating the life out of me. And um, he immediately separated us, brought me back in and started this diatribe again of you need to be strong, Brian. It's a tough situation. You got married here." I said, I need help. Kept on with that. I said, I need help. And after the third time, I said, I need spiritual help. Did you even know what that meant? I did not. He said, based on your spiritual background, you need to go home and read. I said, I don't need to read anything. The fourth time I tell him I need help, he reaches behind his desk, gives me a business card, tells me to call this lady. She can prescribe drugs. He can't. That was his help. I left out of there November 4th of 98. And I remember that because going home that night directly across from his office was one of the biggest churches in Mobile, Alabama. It was a Wednesday night in Mobile, the Bible Belt, and uh, there were cars in the parking lot. I didn't know anybody there. I'd never been in this church. What was your church background prior to this,
0: anything?
2: Very mixed, yeah. uh, very little. And uh, we did get married in a church, and we went, we went to church probably two or three times a year. Mm. Um, but I do remember, you know, over the, over the years, just a longing for something I couldn't find. And even going through all that infertility and with the doctor saying, you know, we need to pray, that didn't resonate with me. But I had a longing to understand that, but I couldn't verbalize that Mm -hmm. and wasn't moving toward it. God didn't have a place in my life. Um, But this night, November 4th, I pull in the parking lot, I go in, and there's probably 200 people, and they're singing and praying. A very foreign (laughs) concept to me. (laughs) But I'm right in the middle of it, and I I know looking back I stood out. I was getting ready to leave, and a guy. Wa- <laughs> Go ahead.
1: I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, they're all like going. This guy's a newcomer, and he's got a he's got this blank stare. And but uh, yeah, God God was working.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure all 200 were the same 200 next Wednesday night, and I was 201, and I looked a lot different <laughs> than everybody else. But as I got up to walk out, a guy walked up to me, and this here's what I remember him saying. He said, "I don't know who you are or what's going on in your life." Um, but could I pray for you? And I began to weep again, and I didn't. And, and I didn't understand that. And I, you know, for a minute, I didn't like that because you know guys don't cry. Yeah. And I, and, and I, he said, "Can I pray for you?" And a gentleman started walking up to him, trying to engage him. He said, "No." He said, "Let's pray for this man." And they put their hands on me and prayed for me. And I, and I began, you know, like I said, I began to weep. We exchanged name and numbers. And he said, before I left, he said, let me ask you a question, Brian. He said, are you a Christian? And I immediately said yes. And for me, just to identify at that point that Jesus Christ existed, you know, the answer to that question for me was yes. He didn't challenge me. He didn't say, tell me your story, why you think that, anything. And I left there, Wednesday, November 4th of 98. The next day, Thursday, I tried to call the lady on the card that the counselor had given me. For help that this counselor said i would get from her by prescribing drugs and uh, thank god she was out sick (laughs) so that connection wasn't made the next day november 6th um, it was a very special day in my life it was a hard day Um, the hard had to come before the good part of it Um, i'm dying inside i'm empty got no answers i've gone to a counselor. i got a wife that's leaving me i got a son three years old that i wanted to raise and be a dad that I never had in my own life. And all that's being stripped away from me. My business is beginning to fail. And that never happened before. And I didn't have anybody close to me that I could turn to. And um, as I'm you know, headed back at the end of the day, late that evening, a lot of things happened that day, but here, here's the thing that's most important. I went back to this home that I was living in and this working separation that this counselor had put us in. It was November 6th of ninety eight. It was about ten o'clock. And uh, this was my wife's cousin that I was living with. And she wasn't home, and I remember laying on the couch, and I was done, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, anything you want to call it, um, you, at that point in time. You were zero. i was i was I was at zero. And, and I wanted to go beyond that. I wanted to end my life. I didn't have a gun in my hand. I didn't have a knife in my hand. I didn't have anything to take action with that. But as I'm laying there, that's going through my mind. I'm ready to end my life. I'm hopeless. And I got nowhere to turn. As I'm laying there, the phone rings. And the person on the other end of the phone said, first thing out of her mouth, she said, if you die tonight, you would go to hell. So that immediately got my attention (laughs) (laughs) because I'm laying there thinking about dying. Yes, yes. And she said, that emptiness inside of you, you've tried to fill with the world is a special place for God and God alone. Mm. And you filled it with the world and you're separated from a holy God because of your sin. And she said, again, if you died tonight, you would go to hell. I'm like, well, that's the second time she said that. So I'm listening. She said, that's the bad news. She said, the good news is that's why Jesus died for you. She said, but you're separated from him because of your sin. And she said, son, she said, do you want to enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ and ask him to come into your life and forgive you so you won't die and go to hell? And all I remember, Kurt, is I just, I put my hands up in surrender and I said, Yes. And she said, well, you need to pray and ask him to forgive you and come into your life. I said, I don't know how to do that. And she said, I'll help you pray. And she did. And all I can tell you is that at that point in time, I surrendered. I understood the message that was being given to me. And I accepted that invitation at a point when I had nowhere else to turn. I had nowhere else to look. And I'll tell you this, 20 years earlier, my mom had this Jesus experience that she was sharing with me that night, that she probably shared with me a 100 times before that I never heard and told her I didn't want to hear it. But that night, that night, she shared with me from Houston, Texas in a random phone call out of the blue. She knew what was going on, but she didn't know the details. She didn't know the specifics. And some time later, I called her back and I said, I said, Mother, I said, why'd you call me that night? At that time, she said, son, I don't know. She said, my heart was ripped out for you, and God told me to pick the phone up and call you. I said, did you know what was going on? Mm -hmm. And she didn't. She was just obedient. I felt an immediate peace come over me. I didn't have a lot of answers to all the questions in front of me. I knew I couldn't go back to that counselor because that counselor was giving me no hope, no help. And I went to the Yellow Pages and found the first Christian counselor and called him up, told him what was going on. I said, I, I know I still need help. And I said, why should I come see you? And she just said, Brian, all I can tell you is we counsel from the word of God. I said, sign me up. I'll come see you. So I go and see him. <laughs> and uh, the counselor talks to me. And she says, Brian, you're going to be all right. She said, you're going to be fine. And before I left, she said, I want to give you a guy's name. I want you to call him. He'll disciple you. And she, that's what she left me with that day. And uh, that's a whole other story. I did call that man and I uh, told him, I said, hey, you know, Martha told me to call you. She said, you'll disciple me. What are you gonna do to me? And he didn't miss a beat. He just said, God would have it. Somebody come along beside you been walk with him a little bit longer than you have and spend some time with you. And I met with him every Friday at 1.30 for the next eight years and it
0: changed my life.
1: <laughs> that is so awesome.
0: So we're going to take a break and come back and hear from this point forward uh, from zero up uh, what God is doing in the life of Brian. So we're going to take a break and we'll be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell and Kurt Satter. We're here with Brian Gould in our fourth and final segment. If you missed the first three, you missed a lot, go to Facebook, SoundCloud, or iTunes. And just type in Solid Steps Radio and you can hear the podcast uh, thanks to our great sponsors. But also, if you want to go to Facebook page, you can watch this uh, live video and you can hear the in-between commercials uh, behind the scenes. And speaking of our great sponsors, Southern Smoke Barbecue. Man, oh man, if you've not had their briskets, you have not had a little bit of heaven. Uh, Southern Smoke Barbecue is going to be this, actually not only are they a sponsor of our show and they make great food, Chris Hadley and his crew, but they're going to be catering our October 1st Radio Listener Appreciation Event. That's October 1 of this year, so put it on your calendars. Uh, More details can be found at furtherstillministries.org, furtherstillministries.org. You'll be able to RSVP there soon enough that's for our listeners and or sponsors and guests so we look forward to it. it's going to be a great night Chuck Tackett I believe is yeah, going to be Chuck's that gonna night be there. Uh, and, uh, and also Brian Gould was on our show today podcast number 184 Was uh, he was on the show with a group of guys talking about the marketplace and ministry and, and uh, Operation Timothy which is a good segue into our next segment also we're going to thank our sponsor Dan Hart Financial Dan Hart if you need to find out about your finances what a godly and wise retirement looks like Dan Hart can take care of that uh, and also the Southeast Christian Outlook newspaper. That is a Louisville-based uh, local uh, newspaper that talks about what God is doing in his kingdom, not just in the city of Louisville, but around the country and around the world. So we want to thank all those folks for sponsoring our show. And so,
1: Brian, you, I, you know, I, I, I listened to your story and I'm like going, oh, my goodness, you have been through so much. Hmm. Um, your mom is now on her fourth husband. Yeah. Um, you, you, you've all all the tragedy, all the turmoil, all the pain, and yet God reaches down. Mm. Uh, God's a redeeming God. You, you yes. quoted a Psalm mm. uh, right before we prayed, before we jumped on air. What what was that Psalm?
2: So the, yeah, in Psalm one nineteen twenty six, it says. Uh, in my my way of reading it back would be, it was good that I was afflicted that I might learn Your way. You know, and how can you ever come to that point? Even as, you know, even as James talked about, it's, you know, there's good in affliction. Um, You know, it it took a long time for me to understand that, but I can look back now with hope and understand what God's trying to share with us
1: in those passages. Blessed is the man Mm. who perseveres under trial. Mm. And uh, God... had allowed you to go through a lot of pain and a lot of heartache and suffering, and yet He redeemed you. He did. And He, your mom, shares the gospel with you, and, and that night you trusted Jesus and you get connected to a guy. That that guy, um, helped facilitate a lot of stuff of healing and hope. Yes. Talk about that a little
2: bit. Yeah, so we entered into this uh, relationship, he and I, um, in the context of, you know, I was told to call him, he would disciple me. I did not know what that meant. (laughs) And he simply responded as I shared, just that God would have somebody come along beside you. And, you know, the picture of that is he met me right where I was. Mm. And, you know, for me spiritually, I was at ground zero. Um, I didn't grow up in the church. You know, you heard the story of everything that I went through. And, um, as I began to get to know him and we met every Friday at one 30, uh, for eight years, you know, I'd never give up that time. It was, it was holy ground and, um, it, it changed my life. And, um, you know, if you're familiar with the story in God's word of the relationship that Paul had with Timothy and how much he loved him, I think it's the second best love story in God's word. Because the last person Paul wanted to see before he died was Timothy, because he loved him so much. So yes, Jim Bingaman, who was the area director for CBMC in Mobile and had been for the previous 20 years, was my Paul. And he just poured the life of Christ into me and it changed my life. It helped me to begin to understand not only God's word, he helped me there, but he also helped me understand some things relationally. And I remember telling him, you know, I, I, I need a little bit of help mentally Jim, I said you know I've been to a counselor we didn't finish there's a lot of stuff going on I think I really need somebody to peek inside and help me with and he was helping me helping me understand things helping me get to a point that I went back to my estranged wife it took about a year for the divorce to happen we did get divorced God did not in his plan have that that relationship be reconciled Uh, for a lot of different reasons, but um, I do believe he's sovereign over that. I did pray and ask him to heal the marriage, but um, the rest of the story is even more beautiful. Um, But I knew I needed help, and I said, do you know a counselor I can go to? He said, yeah, and he told me, the guy to go see. And then he began to unpack some things and help me deal with some woundedness and some things from the past that still creeped in, things such as anger. (laughs) You know, and what do you do when the hair on the back of your... Head stand your neck stands up in situations and how can you be gracious and merciful and reach people understanding that behind anger is hurt and pain relationally that's toxic and how can how can you overcome that um, so I spent a lot of time right there and I remember the times going to Jim say hey you know Jim in the beginning I said "Hurt." Uh, it's hard to get a camel through the eye of a needle what's that about he said, well, let's go over here in this book in the Bible and look at that. I'm like, w- where's that? I had, I, I mean, I had no reference, you know, for growing up in the church. But he just gently and lovingly handled me for eight right years. where I was at. Yeah, I was a, I was a slow learner. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you had a lot of catching up to do. But I you did. know what? But you know what? I, I, You know, as I have come to know you, and, and not real well, but God is healed you mm, he has and he's has he, taken all of this and he's he's a redeeming God yes he is and he's he's given you hope and he's given you help and he's given you a future and um and now he's using you to encourage and bless and minister to others who have been through a lot of junk
2: yeah yeah and I, and, I, and, I, and I believe he gives us a little uh, understanding of that in his word, that uh, he, is, he is our blessed father of all hope, as you've said, that comforts us in our time of need. And there was many things going on there. I didn't know where to turn, and God just kept putting things in my path to redeem and heal, just like you said. But to prepare me for you know, a new relationship, a new family, one that I would have never designed or looked for, um, that is so beautiful. I have four children now. I have a, I have a wife that loves the Lord. Um, you know, and he's continued to use me in this uh, ministry um, that I got connected with through this man, Jim Bingaman, CBMC.
1: Which stands for? Christian
2: Businessmen's Connection. And CBMC's in the marketplace reaching guys that, you know, they're not going to darken the door of a church, perhaps but they, much like me, may be struggling and don't know who to turn to. And God, as I prayed and asked God to use me, I began to cross paths with some of those men. I wrote their name down. I began to pray to God about them and ask God to open opportunities to be able to share that comfort that He had given me in my time of need with them. Whether it's the gospel or healing through broken relationships from a father wound to a broken marriage relationship, whatever the case may be,
1: and there's a lot of that going. There is I mean, a lot. I mean, there's just brokenness all over the world. I mean, we live in a broken and fallen world, and and here you are, uh, have experienced so much of that. And God says, "Okay, now I'm 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 I've saved you. I've redeemed you. You know, I love you. You've had this this." Jim pour his life into you, and now God is using you mm. to encourage and bless and minister to others. I, I, that's just—it's that very,
2: just, very humbling, and—and um, yet yeah, I'm sure very, very rewarding. It is, it is. But you don't—you don't always see the immediate results. You meet a man right where he's at, and I think that's sometimes where we miss. We think we need to get the guy to the end game. And sometimes it's you know it's just sitting down and listening, and in a in a way understanding, meeting them where they're at, and offering them hope. Yes, even in this fallen world, there's still hope, and God's still at work, yeah. and He cares. And uh, I know there's a lot of guys that need to hear that.
1: That's awesome. Uh, yes, He is the God of all hope. He's the God of all comfort. Yes. And no matter what you're going through, He loves you. He cares for you. And there's somebody out there. That uh, um, that needs you, and you need them, mm. and you need a Jim. In one sense, Jim needed you.
2: Yes, yes,
1: absolutely. And uh, it's a it's a beautiful thing. It has been an absolute blast to have you mm. back, Brian. Thank you for sharing your story. <laughs> thanks for your transparency, and uh, thanks for letting God use, use you. Thank you. Would you pray for us, guys?
2: Um, I'd be honored to. Thank you. Father, what a joy it is to know you. Um, Father, apart from you, we can do nothing. You are a great hope. And Father, we need you. You are the answer. And Father, I just thank you for these men and this opportunity to share your story, your handiwork in my life, God. And I'm often just so humbled by um, just trying to answer the question, why, God, would you choose to do that, that you've done and the things that you're doing? And I thank you that Kurtz reminded me this morning, God, it's because you love us and you are the God of all comfort. And you would have it that through those times, God, that uh, we would share that hope, you, Christ in us, the hope of all glory with others, God. And I know there's men out there right now that are struggling. Maybe part of what we share today hits right at home. And, Father, I just pray by your spirit and by your might, you might just encourage them to pick up the phone Or someone to pick up the phone and call them, um, just as my mom called me that night, November 6th, Mm. just to share hope and to come along beside them and just be a light. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you for all the things that you're doing right here, right now. And we give all this to you in Christ's name. Amen. Mm. Amen. (sighs) Thank you, Brian. 1 John
0: 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Mm. Brian had mentioned he just never really connected with people because nobody really connected with him his whole life. And the first person he connected with after knowing the Lord, who says is love, was another man who he learned about love through. So if you're a guy and you said, I never got a chance to connect, you connect with God, you're connecting with love. And it's never too late we got three men in this room who can testify to that. So thank you for listening. Share this with somebody who needs to hear it, which is everybody. And uh, Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, type in Solid Steps Radio. Thank you again for listening to Solid Steps Radio.